Chapter Twelve of the Prairie by James Finnamore Cooper. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by William Peck. Pray God, the Duke of York, excuse himself, King Henry the Sixth. The mustering of the borderers on the following morning was silent, sullen, and gloomy. The repast of that hour was wanting in the inharmonious accompaniment with which Esther ordinarily enlivened their meals, for the effects of the powerful opiate that doctor had administered still muddled her intellects. The young men brooded over the absence of their elder brother, and the brows of Ishmael himself were knit as he cast his scowling eyes from one to the other like a man preparing to meet and to repel an expected assault on his authority. In the midst of this family distrust, Ellen and her midnight confederate, the naturalist, took their usual places among the children without awakening suspicion or exciting comment. The only apparent fruits of the adventure in which they had been engaged were occasional uplifting of the eyes on the part of the doctor, which were mistaken by the observers for some of his scientific contemplations of the heavens, but which, in reality, were no other than furtive glances at the fluttering walls of the prescribed tent. At length the squatter, who had waited in vain for some more decided manifestation of the expected rising among his sons, resolved to make a demonstration of his own intentions. "'Assaw shall account to me for this undutiful conduct,' he observed. "'Here has the lifelong night gone by, and he out lying on the prairie, when his hand and his rifle might have both been wanted in a brush with the Sioux, for any right he had to know the contrary.' "'Spare your breath, good man,' retorted his wife. Be saving of your breath, for you may have to call long enough for the boy before he will answer. It are a fact that some men be so womanish as to let the young master the old. But you, old Esther, should know better than to think such will ever be the nature of things in the family of Ishmael Bush. Ah, you are a Hector with the boys, when need calls. I know it well, Ishmael, and one of your sons have you driven from you by your temper, and that too at a time when he is most wanted. "'Father,' said Abner, whose sluggish nature had gradually been stimulating itself to the exertion of taking so bold a stand, "'the boys and I have pretty generally concluded to go out on the search of Asa. We are disagreeable about his camping on the prairie, instead of coming into his own bed, as we all know he would like to do.' "'Shah!' muttered Abram. "'The boy has killed a buck, or perhaps a buffalo, and he is sleeping by the carcass to keep off the wolves till day. We shall soon see him.' or hear him, bawling for help to bring in his load. "'Tis little help that a son of mine will call for to shoulder a buck or to quarter your wild beef,' returned the mother. "'And you, Abram, to say so uncertain a thing. You who said yourself that the redskins have been prowling around this place no later than the yesterday.' I, exclaimed her brother, hastily, as if anxious to retract an error. I said it then, and I say it now, and so you will find it to be. The Tetons are in our neighborhood, and happy will prove for the boy if he is well shut of them. It seems to me, said Dr. Battius, speaking with the sort of deliberation and dignity one is apt to use after having thoroughly ripened his opinions by sufficient reflection. It seems to me a man but little skilled in the signs and tokens of Indian warfare especially as practiced in these remote plains, but one who I may say without vanity has some insight into the mysteries of nature. It seems then to me thus humbly qualified, that when doubts exist in a matter of moment, 
it would always be the wisest course to appease them. "'No more of your doctoring for me!' cried the grumesser. "'No more of your quiddities in a healthy family, say I. Here was I doing well, only a little out of sorts with over-instructing the young, and you douse me with a drug that hangs about my tongue like a pound weight on a hummingbird's wing.' "'Is the medicine out?' dryly demanded Ishmael. "'It must be a rare dose that gives a heavy feel to the tongue of old Esther.' "'Friend,' continued the doctor, waving his hand for the angry wife to maintain the peace, "'that it cannot perform all that is said of it. The very charge of good Mrs. Bush is a sufficient proof. But to speak of the absent Asa, there is doubt as to his fate, and there is a proposition to solve it. Now, in the natural sciences, truth is always a desideratum, and I confess it would seem to be equally so in the present case of domestic uncertainty, which may be called a vacuum where, according to the laws of physic, there should exist some pretty palpable proofs of materiality. "'Don't mind him! Don't mind him!' cried Esther, observing that the rest of his auditors listened with an intention which might proceed equally from acquiescence in his proposal or ignorance of its meaning. "'There is a drug in every word he utters.' "'Dr. Battius wishes to say,' Ellen modestly interposed, "'that as some of us think Asa is in danger, and some think otherwise, the whole family might pass an hour or two in looking for him.' "'Does he?' interrupted the woman. "'Then Dr. Battius has more sense in him than I believe. She is right, Ishmael, and what she says shall be done. I will shoulder a rifle myself.' and woe betide the redskin that crosses my path. I have pulled a trigger before to-day, I, and heard an Indian yell, too, to my sorrow. The spirit of Esther diffused itself like the stimulus which attends a war-cry among her sons. They arose in a body, and declared a determination to second so bold a resolution. Ishmael prudently yielded to an impulse he could not resist, and in a few minutes the woman appeared, shouldering her arms, prepared to lead forth in person such of her descendants as chose to follow. "'Let them stay with the children, that please,' she said, "'and then follow me, who are not chicken-hearted.' "'Abram, it will not do to leave the huts without some guard,' Ishmael whispered, glancing his eye upward. The man whom he addressed started, and betrayed extraordinary eagerness in his reply. "'I will tarry and watch the camp.' A dozen voices were instantly raised in objections to this proposal. He was wanted to point out the places where the hostile tracks had been seen, and his termagant sister openly scouted at the idea as unworthy of his manhood. The reluctant Abram was compelled to yield, and Ishmael made a new disposition for the defense of the place, which was admitted by every one to be all-important to their security and comfort. He offered the post of commandant to Dr. Battius, who, however, preemptorily and somewhat haughtily declined the doubtful honor, exchanging looks of intelligence with Ellen as he did so. In this dilemma the squatter was obliged to constitute the girl herself Castellan, taking care, however, in deputing this important trust to omit no words of caution and instruction. When this preliminary point was settled, the young men proceeded to arrange certain means of defense and signals of alarm that were adapted to the weakness and character of the garrison. Several masses of rock were drawn to the edge of the upper level, and so placed as to leave it at the discretion of the feeble Ellen and her associates, to cast them or not as they might choose on the heads of any invaders who would of necessity be obliged to mount the eminence by the difficult and narrow passage already so often mentioned. 
In addition to this formidable obstruction, the barriers were strengthened and rendered nearly impassable. Smaller missiles, that might be hurled even by the hands of the younger children, but which would prove, from the elevation of the place, exceedingly dangerous, were provided in profusion. A pile of dried leaves and splinters were placed as a beacon on the upper rock, and then, even in the jealous judgment of the squatter, the post was deemed competent to maintain a credible siege. The moment the rock was thought to be in a state of sufficient security, the party who composed what might be called the sortie sallied forth on their anxious expedition. The advance was led by Esther in person, who, attired in a dress half-masculine and bearing a weapon like the rest, seemed no unfit leader for the group of wildly clad frontiersmen that followed in her rear. "'Now, Abram!' cried the Amazon, in a voice that was cracked and harsh, for the simple reason of being used too often on a strained and unnatural key. "'Now, Abram, run with your nose low, show yourself a hound of the true breed, and do some credit to your training.' You it was that saw the prince of the Indian moccasin, and it behooves you to let others be as wise as yourself. Come, come to the front, man, and give us a bold lead. The brother, who appeared at all times to stand in awe of his sister's authority, complied, though it was with a reluctance so evident as to excite sneers even among the unobservant and indolent sons of the squatter. Ishmael himself moved among his tall children like one who expected nothing from the search, and who was indifferent alike to its success or failure. In this manner the party proceeded until their distant fortress had sunk so low as to present an object no larger nor more distinct than a hazy point on the margin of the prairie. Hitherto their progress had been silent and somewhat rapid, for as swell after swell was mounted and passed, without varying or discovering a living object to enliven the monotony of the view, even the tongue of Esser was hushed in increasing anxiety. Here, however, Ishmael chose to pause, and casting the butt of his rifle from his shoulder to the ground, he observed, This is enough. Buffalo signs and deer signs are plenty. But where are thy Indian footsteps, Abram? Still farther west, returned the other, pointing in the direction he named. This was the spot where I struck the tracks of the buck. It was after I took the deer that I fell upon the Teton Trail. And a bloody piece of work you made of it, man! cried the squatter, pointing tauntily to the soiled garments of his kinsman, and then directing the attention of the spectators to his own, by the way of a triumphant contrast. Here have I cut the throats of two lively does, and a scampering fawn, without spot or stain, while you, blundering dog as you are, have made as much work for Esther and her girls as though butchering was your regular calling. Come, boys, it is enough. I am too old not to know the signs of the frontiers. No Indian has been here since the last fall of water. Follow me, and I will make a turn that shall give us at least the beef of a fallow cow for our trouble. Follow me, echoed Esther, stepping undauntedly forward. I am leader today, and I will be followed. Who so proper let me know as a mother to head a search for her own lost child? Ishmael regarded his intractable mate with a smile of indulgent pity. Observing that she had already struck out a path for herself, different both from that of Abram and the one he had seen fit to choose, and being unwilling to draw the cord of authority too tight, just at that moment he submitted himself to her will. But Dr. Battius, who had hitherto been a silent and thoughtful attendant on the woman, now saw fit to raise his feeble voice in the way of remonstrance. "'I agree with thy partner in life, worthy and gentle Mrs. Bush,' he said. 
in believing that some ignis fatuus of the imagination has deceived Abram in the signs of symptoms of which he has spoken. "'Symptoms yourself!' interrupted the termagant. "'This is no time for bookish words, nor is this a place to stop and swallow medicines. If you are a leg-weary, say so, as a plain-speaking man should. Then seat yourself on the prairie, like a hound that is foot-sore, and take your natural rest.' "'I accord in the opinion,' the naturalist calmly replied, complying literally with the opinion of the deriding Esther, by taking his seat very coolly by the side of an indigenous shrub, the examination of which he commenced on the instant, in the order that science might not lose any of its just and important dues. "'I honor your excellent advice, Mistress Esther, as you may perceive. Go thou in quest of thy offspring, while I tarry here in pursuit of that which is better, fees and insight into the arcana of nature's volume. The woman answered with a hollow, unnatural, and scornful laugh, and even her heavy sons, as they slowly passed the seat of the already abstracted naturalist, did not disdain to manifest their contempt in smiles. In a few minutes the train mounted the nearest eminence, and as it turned the rounded acclivity, the doctor was left to pursue his profitable investigations in entire solitude. Another half-hour passed, during which Esther continued to advance on her seemingly fruitless search. Her pauses, however, were becoming frequent, and her looks wandering and uncertain, when footsteps were heard clattering through the bottom, and at the next instant a buck was seen to bound up the ascent, and to dart from before their eyes in the direction of the naturalist. So sudden and unlooked for had been the passage of the animal, and so much had he been favored by the shape of the ground, that before any one of the foresters had time to bring his rifle to his shoulder, it was already beyond the range of a bullet. "'Look out for the wolf!' shouted Abner, shaking his head in vexation at being a single moment too late. "'A wolf's skin will be no bad gift in a winter's night. Ay, yonder the hungry devil comes!' "'Hold!' cried Ishmael, knocking up the level weapon of his too-eager son. "'Tis not a wolf, but a hound of thorough blood and bottom. Ha! We have hunters nigh. There are two of them.' He was still speaking when the animals in question came leaping on the track of the deer, striving with noble ardor to outdo each other. One was an aged dog, whose strength seemed to be sustained purely by generous emulation, and the other a pup, that gambled even while he pressed most warmly on the chase. They both ran, however, with clean and powerful leaps, carrying their noses high like animals of the most keen and subtle scent. They had passed, and in another minute they would have been running open-mouthed with the deer in view, had not the younger dog suddenly bounded from the course and uttered a cry of surprise. His aged companion stopped also, and returned panting and exhausted to the place where the other was whirling around in swift and apparently in mad evolutions, circling the spot in his own footsteps and continuing his outcry in a short, snappish barking. But when the elder hound had reached the spot, he seated himself, and lifting his nose high in the air, he raised a long, loud, and wailing howl. "'It must be a strong scent,' said Abner, who had been with the rest of the family, an admiring observer of the movements of the dogs, "'that can break off two such creatures so suddenly from their trail.' "'Murder them!' cried Abram. "'I'll swear to the old hound tis the dog of the trapper, whom we now know to be our mortal enemy.' Though the brother of Esser gave so hostile advice, he appeared in no way ready to put it in execution himself. The surprise which had taken possession of the whole party exhibited itself in his own vacant, wondering stare, 
as strongly as in any of the admiring visages by whom he was surrounded. His denunciation, therefore, notwithstanding its dire import, was disregarded, and the dogs were left to obey the impulses of their mysterious instinct without let or hindrance. It was long before any of the spectators broke the silence, but the squatter at length so far recollected his authority as to take on himself the right to control the movements of his children. "'Come away, boys! Come away, and leave the hounds to sing their tunes for their own amusement,' Ishmael said, in his coldest manner. "'I scorn to take the life of a beast because its master has pitched himself too nigh my clearing. Come away, boys! Come away! We have enough of our own work before us without turning aside to do that of the whole neighborhood.' "'Come not away!' cried Esther, in tones that sounded like the admonitions of some sibyl. "'I say, come not away, my children! There is meaning and warning in this, and as I am a woman and a mother, will I know the truth of it all!' So saying, the awakened wife brandished her weapon, with an air that was not without its wild and secret influence, and led the way towards the spot where the dogs still remained, filling the air with their long-drawn and piteous complaints. The whole party followed in her steps, some too indolent to oppose, others obedient to her will, and all more or less excited by the uncommon character of the scene. "'Tell me you, Abner, Abram, Ishmael!' the woman cried, standing over a spot where the earth was trampled and beaten, and plainly sprinkled with blood. "'Tell me, you who are hunters, what sort of animal has here met his death? Speak! Ye are men, and used to the signs of the plains. Is it the blood of a wolf or panther?' "'A buffalo!' "'And a noble and powerful creature has it been,' returned the squatter, who looked down calmly on the fatal signs which so strangely affected his wife. "'Here are the marks of the spot where he has struck his hoofs into the earth, in the death struggle, and yonder he has plunged and torn the ground with his horns. I, a buffalo bull of wonderful strength and courage, has he been.' "'And who has slain him?' continued Esther. "'Man, where are the offals? Wolves! They devour the hide!' "'Tell me, men and hunters, is this the blood of a beast?' "'The creature has plunged over the hillock,' said Abner, who had proceeded a short distance beyond the rest of the party. "'Ah, there you will find it, in yon swell of alders. Look, a thousand carrion birds are hovering above the carcass.' "'The animal still has life in him,' returned the squatter, "'or the buzzards would settle upon their prey. By the action of the dogs it must be something ravenous. I reckon it is the white bear from the upper falls.' They are said to cling desperately to life. Let us go back, said Abram. There may be danger, and there can be no good in attacking a ravenous beast. Remember, Ishmael, t'will be a risky job and one of small profit. The young men smiled at this new proof of the well-known pusillanimity of their uncle. The oldest even proceeded so far as to express his contempt by bluntly saying, It will do the cage with the other animal we carry. Then we may go back double-handed into the settlements, and set up for showmen around the courthouses and goals of Kentucky. The threatening frown which gathered on the brow of his father admonished the young man to forbear. Exchanging looks that were half rebellious with his brethren, he saw fit to be silent. But instead of observing the caution recommended by Abram, they proceeded in a body until they again came to a halt within a few yards of the matted cover of the thicket. The scene had now indeed become wild and striking enough to have produced a powerful effect on the minds better prepared than those of the unnurtured family of the squatter to resist the impressions of so exciting a spectacle. The heavens were, as usual at the season, covered with dark, driving clouds beneath which interminable flocks of aquatic birds were again on the wing, holding their toilsome and heavy way towards the distant waters of the south. 
The wind had risen, and was once more sweeping over the prairie in gust, which it was often vain to oppose, and then again the blast would seem to mount into the upper air, as if to sport with the drifting vapor, whirling and rolling vast masses of the dusky and ragged volumes over each other in a terrific and yet grand disorder. Above the little break the flock of birds still held their flight, circling with heavy wings about the spot, struggling at times against a torrent of wind, and then favored by their position and height, making bold swoops upon the thicket, away from which, however, they never failed to sail, screaming in terror, as if apprised, either by sight or instinct, that the hour of their voracious dominion had not yet fully arrived. Ishmael stood for many minutes, with his wife and children clustered together, in an amazement, with which all was singularly mingled, gazing in death-like stillness on the sight. The voice of Esther at length broke the charm, and reminded the spectators of the necessity of resolving their doubts in some manner more worthy of their manhood than by dull and inactive observation. "'Call on the dogs,' she said. "'Call on the hounds, and put them in the thicket. There are men enough of ye, if he had not lost the spirit with which I know ye were born, to tame the tempers of all the bears west of the big river. Call on the dogs, I say. You, Enoch, Abner, Gabriel, has wonder may ye deaf?' One of the young men complied and having succeeded in detaching the hounds from the place around which, until then, they had not ceased to hover, he led them down to the margin of the thicket. "'Put them in, boy, put them in,' continued the woman. "'And you, Ishmael and Abram, if anything wicked or harmful comes forth, show them the use of your rifles, like frontiermen. If ye are wanting in spirit, before the eyes of my children will I put ye both to shame.' The youth, who until now had detained the hounds, let slip the thongs of skin, by which they had been held, and urged them to the attack by their voices. But it would seem that the elder dog was restrained by some extraordinary sensation, or that he was much too experienced to attempt the rash adventure. After proceeding a few yards to the very verge of the break, he made a sudden pause, and stood trembling in all his aged limbs, apparently as unable to recede as to advance. The encouraging calls of the young men were disregarded, or only answered by a low and plaintive whining. For a minute the pup also was similarly affected, but less sage, or more easily excited. He was induced at length to leap forward, and finally to dash into the cover. In alarm the startling howl was heard, and at the next minute he broke out of the thicket, and commenced circling the spot in the same wild and unsteady manner as before. "'Have I a man among my children?' demanded Esther. Give me a truser piece than a childish shotgun, and I will show you what the courage of a frontier woman can do. Stay, mother, exclaimed Abner and Enoch. If you will see the creature, let us drive it into view. This was quite as much as the youths were accustomed to utter, even on more important occasions, but having given a pledge of their intentions, they were far from being backward in redeeming it. Preparing their arms with the utmost care, they advanced with steadiness to the break. Nerves, less often tried than those of the young boarders, might have shrunk before the dangers of so uncertain an undertaking. As they proceeded, the howls of the dogs became more shrill and plaintive. The vultures and buzzards settled so low as to flap the bushes with their heavy wings, and the wind came hoarsely sweeping along the naked prairie, as if the spirits of the air had also descended to witness the approaching development. There was a breathless moment when the blood of the undaunted Esther flowed backward to her heart as she saw her sons push aside the matted branches of the thicket and bury themselves in its labyrinth. A deep and solemn pause succeeded. 
Then arose two loud and piercing cries in quick succession, which were followed by a quiet, still more awful and appalling. "'Come back! Come back, my children!' cried the woman, the feelings of a mother getting the ascendancy. But her voice has hushed, and every faculty seemed frozen with horror, as at that instant the bushes once more parted, and the two adventurers reappeared, pale and nearly insensible themselves, and laid at her feet the stiff and motionless body of the lost Asa, with the marks of a violent death but too plainly stamped on every pallid liniment. The dogs uttered a long and closing howl, and then, breaking off together, they disappeared on the forsaken trail of the deer. The flight of birds wheeled upward into the heavens, filling the air with their complaints at having been robbed of a victim which, frightful and disgusting as it was, still bore too much of the impression of humanity to become the prey of their obscene appetites. End of chapter 12